Good evening, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane. Today is Renegade Times. Welcome back to Renegade Times. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, feel free to click the links down in the description below. And that's how you reach me. Thank you. I do have an update for you all when it comes to Voice of the Martyrs. I emailed Richard Warmbrin's son, Michael. And he gave me everything, so there will be a follow-up episode of, I guess, The Pedophiles. Or I'll figure out some sort of name to... Because it's kind of like an in-between uh, the persecution press and pedophiles. So, um, yeah, I will definitely make a follow-up episode of that for you guys. Thank you. First up is politics, so... Let's just get into this. I keep forgetting to say jump in the trenches with me. Hmm, okay. I just woke up. Good morning. Yes, this is a two-day episode. Your girl's gonna work. Anyway. Apparently, allegedly, Joe Biden raped somebody, so we're going to talk about that real quick. Let me just have a sip of my crack and let's go. Biden rape accuser warns if something... Biden rape accuser Tara Reid... Tara Reid? Please tell me I said that right, because I know there's a Tara Reid out there that's actually, like, a... Celebrity, so I hope I said her name right. Anyway, um, this R E A D E, so Tara Reed. Anyway, <clears throat> I just woke up, man. My throat's not ready to talk yet. Tara warned this week on social media that if something happened to her, Joe Biden was not. Or no, I'm sorry. What the fuck? I'm gonna start this over again. I'm gonna start this shit over again. I'm not awake yet. Alright. Alright. Man, listen. 
I'm not fully awake yet still, but you know what? We're just going to power through. Biden rape accuser Terry Reid warned this week on social media that if something happened to her, uh, she was not suicidal, that all roads lead to Joe Biden. Reid alleged, uh, alleged during... Uh, the 2020 presidential election that in 1993 then senator biden forced himself on her while uh she was a staffer in the deserted hallway of a senate building and penetrated her with his fingers jesus christ he just kind of reached in there i'm sorry i'm so sorry man if this is if this is actually a real allegation I apologize for saying it like that. I just, to think, I don't know. I don't see, I I don't know how to react to this. I really don't. Because part of me is just wondering how the fuck he got away with that. But penetrated her with his fingers, okay? That's terrible. Um, after being almost entirely ignored by the mainstream media for weeks, Reed's allegation was finally addressed by the New York Times in a much scrutinized examination of Reed's allegation that Biden's campaign initially portrayed as having, um, exonerating, exonerated him, but which the Times made clear in a strong rebuke of Biden's, uh, camp had not. Okay, I want to make something clear. If something happens to me, all all roads lead to Joe Biden, Reid wrote on Twitter. The Joe Biden and DNC political machine threats, bullying, and intimidation over the last three years will not work. I am not suicidal, uh, and I should not be under investigation, nor am I a foreign agent. I am a private citizen. Um... Let's see here. Uh, I was a former staffer of Joe Biden and has, and he has chosen to, or that has chosen to step forward uh, to tell the truth. She continued, the tactics using intimidation and bullying to silence me and suppress me uh, using the DOJ and FBI and social media will not work. Leave me alone. I'll testify under oath in uh, Congress. Um, if asked to do so and tell what happened and what I know, she added. The Biden uh, corruption must end, uh, period. Thank you uh, for inviting me to testify and caring about the truth. She tagged two people that I just choose not to read because they're Twitter ats and I don't know how the fuck to say those. Anyway... Redocumented the alleged um, assault in late uh, March of 2020, saying that it happened when a supervisor instructed her to take um, a gym bag to Biden. A gym bag? Does he even work out? Man eats ice cream all the time. I handed him the thing. Okay. Um, she or he greeted me. He remembered my name, and then we were alone. Reed said. It was uh, the strangest thing. There was, uh, there was no like exchange really. Okay, I can tell Tara Reed. Uh, 
let me stop. I'm not gonna be a bitch today. I'm not gonna be a bitch. I'm not gonna be a bitch. She just has a very unique way of talking. It's the strangest thing. There was like no exchange, really. Um, he just had me up against the wall. I was wearing a little skirt, or I was wearing like a skirt, a business skirt. A business skirt! It's a pencil skirt! See, okay. I, I... I can't sit here and say that I don't believe her because this is something that Joe Biden would fucking do. But the thing is, is that also, is he, he's senile as well. So how the fuck did he pull this off? How the fuck did he do this? How the hell did he have that much strength? The man can hardly go up the steps to Air Force One, let alone pin somebody up against the wall. I'm not saying that this isn't true. I'm just saying, how the fuck did this happen? How the fuck did this happen? I wish I, you know what, never mind. I just, I wish I knew how this fucking happened. That way I could sit here and say that it, this is all true. And the fact that Tara Reid doesn't have much of a good vocabulary to make herself sound believable. I mean, trust me, I hate Joe Biden. I hate him with a passion he should not be in office. And if this is true, because we need more evidence, okay? I'm not going to say that she's telling the truth. I'm not saying that he's a rapist, okay? We need more evidence before I take sides, all right? If she is a real victimized woman, hell yeah, I will back her up, all right? But, I mean, if she's not telling the truth, it kind of sounds like she's not just by her the way that she writes in her little um, Twitter posts, but I mean, it's 2023, I'm sure a lot of people write the exact way how they talk, but it's fine. That's just a pet peeve of mine. If you want to be taken seriously, you don't write the way you talk, but anyway. Um, let me just finish this without being an ad agitated bitch. Anyway, it happened all at once. His hands were on me and underneath my clothes. Reed continued, yeah, and he went down my skirt, but then up inside it, and he penetrated me with his fingers. Okay. And he was kissing me at the same time, and he um, was saying something to me. He said several things. I can't remember everything he said. Okay. <clears throat> Wait, is that the whole thing? I have to go back. Yeah, it is. Okay. I have no idea why Whistles the Wind by Vlogging Molly is in my head today. It's just, it's one of those theme songs that are in my head rent-free today. I, it's a good song. Whistles the Wind by um, Vlogging Molly. Go ahead and listen to that shit. That's, that's some good-ass Irish shit. Anyway, okay. Let's get into the next story, you know? I'm still waking up. I'm in rare form today. I apologize if I offend people because I'm in rare form waking up. Okay, well, I was told never to talk about Jeffrey Epstein. 
but he's in the news. I was told not to make a deep investigation on him by someone who was very close to me, and um, I, I will never do that. I will, I will, I will acknowledge that, and I will give them respect, and I will not do that. But they're in the news today, and I will talk about it. So hopefully, they won't get mad at me for doing this. I love you. <laughs> Way shareholder activist arrested after mentioning Bill Gates's ties to Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, this was just too tasty not to talk about. God damn it. Okay. <clears throat> the head of a conservative group was booted from Berkshire's Hathaway annual shareholder meeting and arrested Saturday after questioning former or not founder uh, Warren Buffett's politics and bringing up the dead pedophile Jeffrey Epstein. He ain't dead. Just say that. He ain't dead. He faked his death. He faked his death. He's still around. Anyway. Peter Flaherty, chairman of the National Legal and Policy uh, Center, the NLPC, had been recognized to speak in support of the proposal to require all the roles of CEO and chairman be held uh, by two different people. Both of those titles were currently held by Buffett, and Flaherty argued the Omaha-based company uh, would be less identified with Buffett's political activities um, if the chair was independent. After getting into how Buffett donated billions of dollars to Microsoft uh, co-founder Bill Gates Foundation, um, as well as efforts supporting critical race theory and gender ideology, Flaherty uh, said a Berkshire um, official approached uh, to tell him to stay on top. To stay on topic. Okay, so he. Basically, Flaherty decided to go ahead and go gung-ho and, and, and try to, you know, go ahead and question the um, integrity of the uh, meeting and the people in it, I guess. Buffett uh, gave him a go-ahead to continue, and that's when Flaherty mentioned Gates' ties to Epstein. We know how much Bill Gates cares about children. Ooh, Flaherty said, okay. Uh, he met and traveled with Jeffrey Epstein many times after Epstein was convicted of sex crimes. Holy shit. Listen, this comes from Daily Wire. Don't arrest me, I swear to God. Listen. Uh, Daily Wire made me read it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, is it really a surprise, though? I mean, all gross, wrinkly, rich men love each other and do stuff with each other all the time. <sighs> wow. Video posted to social media shows the audience erupt in booze and some whistling. When Flaherty brought up Epstein, Flaherty told the Daily Wire that at some point he, he realized his microphone had been cut as he continued to speak about the bill and, uh... Melinda Gates Foundation uh, before two security officials removed him from the vague or from the venue and Omaha police arrested him. Arrest documents show Flaherty was charged with refusing to comply with 
um, a request to leave. He was released on $250 bond and is expected in court May 22nd. Holy shit. Flaherty, sir, I am going to have to give you... Listen, it's not a real medal, okay? But listen, you are a rogue now. And I place a rogue medal metaphorically on you, sir. You did what you had to do to get the truth out. So guess what? I now christen you as a rogue. (laughs) Damn! (laughs) Holy shit! Oh my god, somebody out there is just as crazy as me. Oh my god, that's amazing. Anyway, I believe I touched uh, the third rail of billionaire relations, Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, Flaherty told the Daily Wire on Monday, with more than a decade of shareholder activism under his belt, uh, what he said was unprecedented, was an unprecedented arrest and said Berkshire Hathaway had no right to silence me. Um, video appears to show Buffett, who was on stage responding to Flaherty saying, you crossed the boundary before explaining that his donations came from his money and uh, not funds from Berkshire Hathaway. Boomerang News reported that the proposal sponsored by NLPC was defeated by a wide margin, though Flaherty um, told the Daily Wire that he counts um, defeated proposals as victories when they garner a certain amount of support. The Daily Wire uh, left a voicemail with Berkshire Hathaway seeking comment in tw- uh, 2008 um, after Epstein was accused of sexually abusing female minors in Florida. He reached a deal with federal prosecutors. Um, he pleaded guilty to state-level position uh, prostitution charges, um, registered as a sex offender, and served roughly 13 months in jail um, in a work release program. Um, I've seen dying at the age of 66 um, in his New York City jail cell in August of 2019 after being arrested in sex trafficking charges, including young girls, and pleading not guilty. Um, Gates was has acknowledged having dinners with Epstein for what he says uh, were philanthropic. Um, let's see. Yeah, philanthropic reasons. So, yeah, philanthropists or shit. Anyway. And has called those meetings a mistake. Melinda French Gates cited her now ex-husband's meeting with Epstein, whom she called abhorrent, while telling CBS last year about the various factors uh, that led to her divorce from Bill Gates. Jesus Christ. That's a fiasco. That's a bust. I'm sorry. I mean, hats off to Flaherty. Damn. Damn. Yo. Fucking love that guy. All right, well, Bridgerton has not come out with the third season, and I am screaming for it because shit. I love costume dramas. 
Like, I'm waiting for the third season of The Great on Hulu to come out because that that was fucking badass. I loved uh, Elle Fanning in that. Um, but Bridgerton needs to have the third season. You can't just bring in, like, Dairy Girls Claire and be like, give her, like, this awesome fucking uh, character in here and like just drop her you can't you can't do that so just give me a fucking third season please i need this in my life but anyway uh bridgerton i guess uh is kind of in the politics i i just kind of found that this was kind of fun um but i've gotta find it now damn it (laughs) i had it where'd it go listen This is the shit that I go through. Here it is. Bridgerton star breaks silence after facing backlash for saying during Coronation Balcony uh, was terribly white. So, uh, I I don't know how to feel about, um, I don't know how to feel about it because she, this, um, Adjoa Amdo, that's how you pronounce her name. I actually had to go ahead and, (laughs) um pronounce her name. I had to figure out how to pronounce her name right. Um, just because I love her as a fucking actress in Bridgerton. Because she's like that one uh, woman of color that's like always has a cane and a top hat and she's like an unconventional woman. She's like an older woman like don't fuck with me type of older woman. Like I want to be her when I fucking grow up. Like I want that type of attitude when I fucking grow up. Like, I I want to have, like, a cane and a goddamn top hat. Just be like, man, don't fuck with me. (laughs) No, but she's beautiful. I just, uh, I think she's a really good uh, actress in uh, Bridgerton. But anyway, I love her character. Her character is just amazing. But, but, I mean, how do you get into the politic news with this, man. I don't know how to take this seriously. Bridgerton star, Adjoa Ando, broke her silence after she faced some backlash for saying during the coverage of King Charles III's coronation at Buckingham Palace, Balcony was terribly white. Um, During the 60-year-old British actress's appearance on Saturday, in an ITV panel, uh, the Invictus star um, said, We have gone from the rich diversity to the Abbey to a terribly white balcony. I'm very struck by that. What the fuck? Okay, what do you mean by terribly white? I, I just, is it a racial thing? Is it just because the balcony is made out of limestone so it looks white i mean mm -hmm. what's going on i need clarification because you're a fucking good actress i don't i don't want you involved in politics ma'am anyway the image was that of king and queen of the king and queen camilla charles's side chick all right i i will never let him live that down you fucking killed Princess Diana, and you fucking decided to make your hoe your queen. Alright, I mean, I'm sure it's happened before many centuries ago back in the day. It's no surprise. Anyway, uh, yes, okay. And other members of the royal family 
the mirror reported. I am also looking at those younger generations and thinking, what are the nuances that they will inhabit or yeah, inhabit as they grow, she added. What the fuck? Is this what she says? I, I... Uh, there is a bit of me that we've gone from the, uh, the, uh, the rich diversity of the Abbey to a terribly white balcony. I'm very <laughs> struck by that. I'm also looking at those younger generations and thinking, uh, what are the nuances that they will inhabit as they grow? Um... Okay, she actually did fucking say that. Wow. Okay. Um, the video surfaced on Twitter with uh, people blasting the actress for for making racist comments. I I mean, to be honest, it does sound pretty fucking racist. Like, why why do you need to? Um, listen, okay, I'm not gonna sit here and say that all British people are white because of course not. I'm just saying there's a lot of white British people. Okay, there's a lot of them. I'm not I'm not saying that there's a certain percentage of white people that's more of the the African American population in Britain. Listen, I'm just saying, it's going to happen, okay? There's going to be white people around that exist, and I'm sorry that the royal family is fucking white. <laughs> they just are. I, I don't know why. Maybe one of these days, in one of the generations, they'll actually marry someone other than their own race. Who knows? I don't know. Like, what do you want? What do you want, Anjua? Anjua? <laughs> Ando? What do you want? You're such a good fucking actress. Why did you have to open your mouth and do shit like this? I mean, yes, you're allowed to have your fucking opinion, but damn. You just basically snubbed the royal family. You can't come back from that. The video surfaced on Twitter with people blasting the actress for making racist comments. Why is it okay to dismiss a white family for being white? Um, one person wrote. Another added, Anjoa Ando is a racist and obviously very proud of it. Um, why is BBC promoting racism? Because it's 2023 and it's woke, apparently, to be racist and not care about anybody else's opinion but your own and cry like a baby about it when you're confronted. It's just how it is nowadays. I'm so sorry, guys. I mean, rogues are very hard to find. Anyway. How is Anjoa Ando uh, how has Angela? It's so hard to pronounce her name. It's a nice name. I'm not gonna lie. It's a pretty name. But, um, it got away with that. How did she get away with that? If, um, if it was the other way around, it would be deemed racist and all hell would break loose. Uh, while another wrote, how can she get away with that? Anyone of white color would have, uh, to make a public apology ridiculous just shows she's a racist, though. Um, after the star faced some criticism, she went on the BBC and responded to the backlash, noting some people were upset with her. I think I upset a few people yesterday. I was talking about the day and how marvelous it was, and then looking at the balcony at the end, Ando said, and I suddenly went, oh, it's so white. Uh, because 
the day had been so so mixed I didn't mean to upset anybody I was I just was okay the thing is is that it, I don't think it's just that you were also talking about the future generations of the royal family and wondered like how they would grow up and how uh, what sort of ideals would they adopt as they grow and stuff like that and I'm just like why are you commenting on children? Why are you doing that? A BBC Radio 4 presenter, Patty O'Connell, then interrupted the actress and told her she didn't have anything to apologize for and said, you haven't upset any... Yes, she had. She had upset a lot of people. The thing is, is that she really didn't actually, like, fucking clarify. Like I said, it is probably white. It's made out of limestone, that damn balcony. Next time, let's make it out of, like, what? Dark marble? I mean, why is that such a thing that you would fucking say anyways? Oh, it's white. Oh, it's so white. What What would you make it? Endo, huh? If you were to reconstruct the balcony, what stone would you make? What stone would you choose, darling? I would just like to know. You know, I mean, if this really is a racist thing, what stone would you fucking use to rebuild the balcony if it's so fucking white and it bothers you? I mean, who cares? It's white. White is going to be a thing in life. The clouds are white, okay? Besides the people, there's a lot of white. A lot of the time, uh, the walls in my apartment are fucking white, alright? Oh, it's so white. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for white to exist, ma'am. I'm just saying, like, it's just a, such a weird fucking thing to comment on. Like, you know me, I comment on weird shit too. But at least I try to explain myself because I recognize that it's so fucking weird that I comment on shit. And I, so I try my best to make sure that I clarify, but she didn't. She's just like, oh, it's so white. And I'm like, ma'am, 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 there's reasons why people are pissed off at you. And they didn't even address the, the second comment about the royal family's kids. Like, why the fuck would you say something like that? But anyway, of course, it's 2023. Let's not make anybody of color a, a, a victim, right? Let's not make them a suspect, right? Let's not make them the center of attention, of ridicule, right? I mean, hmm. I need to sip of my coffee for that one. That's just too... It's too shitty. Anyway. It's just not a good thing to say. I just don't... I don't see that happening. I just... Uh, how the fuck do I say this? It's just stupid. Why the fuck would you say that, Ando? I still think you're a fucking great actress. Stick what you're really fucking good at, ma'am. Anything that I say from now on is going to be questioned because I decided to talk about this. I'm just saying, why why all of a sudden would you comment on the stone of the building when you knew that the word white is a fucking trick trigger word for woke people? And I don't think it's the it's I don't believe it's just the color of the balcony that people were fucking pissed off about. It's the fact that you commented on the royal family worried about their children and how they're fucking gonna grow up. I think that was the main thing and the news decided to just brush that off. Well, Ando, 
how would you raise the royal family's kids, ma'am? How would you raise them? Because apparently you have a lot of opinions about them being raised as white kids, right? Let me stop. Let me just, I need to finish this. Um, I don't know if, whether I've dug a hole with my fucking words. Anyway, I just don't think that people who are in the entertainment business should talk about politics that much. And I'm not saying that they don't know politics either. I'm just saying that they're an actress for a reason. They're an entertainer for a reason. And the fact that everybody's mixed up in entertainment and politics, it just confuses the people who support them. And it it just kind of like bothers people. It's like, um, like who should we support? Like, should we support Ando, especially if she said this, you know? I mean, everybody makes mistakes in saying stuff. I'm just saying, like, I mean, I don't know. Why the fuck would she say something like this? I mean, it's just so fucking weird to say. Oh, it's very white. Okay. That's not the big problem. It's the fact that you commented on their fucking kids. I mean, to me, anyway. I mean, of course, the whole white balcony is just bizarre to me. Why would you comment on it being white? I'm like, okay, it's terribly white. Is it... What what was the problem? <laughs> I need to know more. <sighs> okay, and now a British Broadcasting Company is in trouble with people saying this one broadcaster had no right to say she hadn't upset anyone with her comments, the Daily Mail noted. Bridgerton star Adjoa Ando has just tried to backtrack on BBC Radio 4 about her uh, comment on the Buckingham Palace balcony was terribly white. Um, One person said, and then uh, the presenter Patty O'Connell tells her that she's got nothing to apologize for. Please don't speak for me. Um, Wow. While another tweeted, Patty O'Connell is an enabler, where is her impartiality? Yeah. I mean, no one's addressing the second fucking comment that she made about the kids. Man. Let me... me. This is stupid. I'm not... I'm also looking at those younger generations and thinking, what are the nuances that they will inhibit as they grow? Like, it's yet another weird-ass comment, okay? It can be interpreted a thousand ways. Back up what the fuck you're saying. Because there's a reason why we try to clarify things, people. Because if you comment on something being terribly white, of course, nowadays, 2023, oh, it's white, you're racist. But that's not the big problem. No one talked about the fucking comment about the royal family's kid. But that's okay, right? That's okay to comment on. Anyway, I'm done.
right, let's brush aside the politics. Let's go to, uh, I don't know, fun news, fun shit that I like to read about. I don't know. I mean, is this miscellaneous? I still have not yet figured out a name for this section. We'll just call it random stuff. I don't know. It's a break between world news and politics, so I'm gonna try to do some world news today. So let's just do this. Okay, so first random thing. Let me just say I support any badass dude that is doing what he needs to do to be a real man. No, not a trans man. Not a man who thinks he's non-binary and anything. No, like a real man. A real man. Okay. Men should be supporting each other. Women should be supporting men. Men should be supporting women. That's just how it is. You know, it's supposed to be that way, but of course not. We have everybody and their mama thinking that there's somebody else. But... That's not what we're here for, I guess. I just, uh, yeah, no, I support men. If you're a strong man out there and you don't take any bullshit, hello. Yeah, this this one's for you. Um, a lot of uh, people don't realize, and I work in the mental health field, but there's a lot of men that come through my doors um, when it comes to uh, mental health. So I will say that um, when it comes to a mentally strong man, men really need support. They really do. Um, Real men need support because we have so many women out there saying like they're this and they're that, that they don't respect women when all they're trying to do is be themselves, you know? And yeah, I don't like that. Like. A man should be okay with being himself. You know. But. These are 13 key habits of mentally strong men. And, uh, yes. In my city, Toledo, um, men, most of the time, for some reason, suffer from mental illness more than women do. And that's sad because the world needs strong men. But anyway, mentally strong men aren't those who suppress their emotions or act tough. What sets them apart is their ability to deal with challenges and make sure that adversity doesn't hold them back uh, from reaching their greatest potential. And while it seems that grit, confidence, and discipline are things that they're born with... No. That's that's training, sir. I'm sorry, give me a second. (laughs) The truth is that these are um, qualities they've cultivated through practice and determination. Here are some of the powerful habits that enable mentally strong men to bounce back from hardship better than ever. One, they practice gratitude. See, personally, I I know I'm a woman. I I don't think I need to point that shit out. (laughs) But the one thing that I 
have learned from my husband actually is to let other people know that I appreciate them, especially if they've done something to help me or something like that. Um, just random people, because you can say thank you, everybody says thank you, but go ahead and say I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you. Because that means a whole lot more than just, oh, thanks. Thanks is a, is just a textbook way of having manners, but if you have a, a unique way of expressing your gratitude for you more. So that's a type of, it's a charismatic thing. Um, so whenever I say, I appreciate you, I mean I appreciate you. And um, I've learned that from my husband. I never thought I could, I never had the, the thought of just saying I appreciate you. Until I met my husband and he started saying it <laughs> to everybody. I'm like, okay, this is a good habit to have. It isn't easy to be grateful during the toughest times, but for mentally strong men, um, it is, or it's a discipline that they develop to keep more positive um, outlook on life. They may, they make it a habit to remind themselves of everything they have rather than what they lack. They recognize their pain, but it doesn't keep them from be believing that they can find a solution to their problems. More importantly, they express their gratitude, whether by keeping a gratitude journal or by saying thank you and showing appreciation to their loved ones. Hi, baby. <laughs> My husband just walked in. Anyway. Number two is they embrace failure. See, this is something that I personally hate. I don't know whether it's just because I've grown up into a family where, like, failure isn't an option or something like that. There's just a strong perfectionism in my family, so I hate to fail. It, uh, it has depressed me a few times. Uh, not gonna lie, but even with my husband, Terrence, like, he will say, like, if you fail, you have to try again. And I'm like, well, but I failed the first time. I, I just don't like not getting things the first time because I see other people getting it the first time and it's, like, easy for them. I'm like, why isn't it easy for me? Damn. Damn it. You know? But he always encourages me to go ahead and do it again and again and again until I get it. Because <laughs> failure basically is a lesson to be learned each time you do fail and that's okay. Simply put, mentally strong men view failures as opportunities for growth. They're not afraid to make mistakes because they can do, because they have a can-do attitude, which means uh, they'll try again. They know that failing... Sh I'm sorry, that falling short of achieving goals is an inevitable, inevitable part of the journey to success. Rather than beating themselves up or making mis for making mistakes, they focus on learning from them. That's my problem. Just get mad that I didn't get it the first time. 
<laughs> but I'm learning. I'm learning. Uh, they do their best to figure out what eh, went wrong and what they can do to avoid repeating the same mistakes. That's how they grow wiser and more confident. That's very true. They welcome change. <laughs> I don't. Ah, it's crazy. My husband craves change. Like, he loves change. And I'm like, why can't things stay the way they are? I'm comfortable. But change is good. It, it is good. But, um, he's also teaching me that, too. <laughs> but anyway, um, here's the deal. Change is inevitable, uh, but that doesn't mean it's easy to accept. Exactly. <laughs> Even the smallest things bring the- bring they- let me- I cannot afford to be a bad reader right now. Even the smallest changes bring with them uncertainty that can make us feel anxious. Mentally strong men, however, don't resist change. They know that certain situations may require them to pivot. They acknowledge that this can be scary, but they adapt to the change by finding the good and exciting in it. They're open to breaking away from the usual patterns or old ways of doing things, and they strive to capitalize on the opportunities that change creates. And number four, they step out of their comfort zone. Mentally strong men love a good challenge, sure, they can also be frightened of many things, but they feel the fear and do it anyway. Wow. I think it was Lemony Snicket that said, um, do that thing that scares you first and then get scared later. I like that quote. It's nice. It's true. Uh, they muster the courage to deal with their fears, work through them, and gradually get over them. Instead of avoiding uh, the situation or task altogether, they start uh, taking on small steps toward it. Uh, in other words, they start with little things and um, that frighten them, and then build from there. Uh, they believe that little discomfort can boost their confidence and self-esteem little by little, and take calculated risks that help them reach their goals. Number five is they own up to their mistakes. Think about what this is for a minute. When someone... I'm sorry. When something goes wrong and you know you have a hand in it, do you take responsibility or play the blame game? Mentally strong men are always accountable for their actions. This means they face the consequences of their mistakes. Instead of making excuses or blaming others for their poor behavior, they can learn the values of commitment and integrity by taking full responsibility for their lives. True. Number six, they keep their emotions in check. <laughs> wow. I just had a realization. I don't do that. <laughs> I think I swallowed a bug. <laughs> it's fucking gross. I don't know what I just choked on. <laughs> I think I just choked on air. 
my fucking ADD ass. Oh no. Okay, they keep their emotions in check. Emotional intelligence is one of the most crucial aspects of mental toughness, contrary to what may or many people may think. Um, mentally strong men don't suppress their feelings. They awake it. I'm sorry, they make it a habit to identify their emotions, acknowledge and validate them. And recognized how uh, these emotions influence their choices and behavior. <coughs> I'm still choking on him. What the fuck? Uh, these mental check-ins help them uh, healthy. <laughs> You're gonna have to be very patient with me. Healthily manage their emotions, okay? <laughs> Uh, they feel more in control of their emotions and do something productive with them. They don't let their emotions affect their ability to think clearly and effectively. See, I have, I have guy friends that actually do that. They will sit there. Uh, do men just usually brood? Is that a thing? It's a, it's a male thing, isn't it? They just, not necessarily brooding, but they, they reflect a lot. Men sit there and reflect a lot. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like a, a generational inheritance. Uh, because men have always been hard workers. Um, if a man doesn't work hard, then he's, you know, I wouldn't say he's a real man, but he's not working hard enough. Um, you know, women can be hard workers too, but we ain't talking about bitches. We're talking about men here. <laughs> But the cool thing about that is that uh, women can learn that too and reflect on their life and see what they want to change. There's a lot of things that women can learn from men. <sighs> Number seven is they forgive. I cannot tell you how many times me, personally, back in the day, I was just a bitch. <laughs> I mean, bitchier than I am now. And I, and trust me, I don't, I'm not trying to, like, I'm not trying to discourage myself. I really was bad. Uh, I, I was disrespectful to men. And, um, there were times when I looked back and I was like, wow, I shouldn't have done that to him or I shouldn't have said that to him. And I feel like a jackass. So I would always like reach out to them and be like, I'm really sorry for saying that. I'm really sorry for doing that to you. Um, so, and they will outright forgive you. I mean, uh, the, the males that I have in my life or that I've had in my life have always been very open to forgiveness. And, you know, I'm very thankful for that. I appreciate them for that because yeah, I have to own up to my mistakes too. And I'm glad that I have men in my life now as well that are open to forgiveness. That are open to forgive. But it's not always easy to forgive those uh, who've hurt us. Especially when they don't apologize for the wrong they've done. But mentally strong men believe that forgiveness is a gift uh, to yourself. They know that harboring grudges only makes a person more miserable in the long run because it can give, can have devastating consequences both physically and mentally. 
It is very true. There are still some things in my life that I have to learn to forgive people for. Um, yeah, personally in my life, it's just, it's been a shit show with forgiveness. Um, not saying that I never will. I will. Um, there's just been some shitty times in my life that I still have to forgive people for. Um, they don't let themselves be consumed by bitterness, rage, and resentment. Yes, they know that forgiveness isn't, or doesn't have to be mean, condoning, or excusing the other person's behavior. Um, it goes hand in hand with emotional intelligence. They forgive to make peace with themselves. And you know what? I will say this. Um... You can say that you forgive them outright to their faces. Okay, that that's that's the ultimate gift to yourself. But then there are times, and I don't know if men struggle with this. I know I do personally, but once you pick once you like drop that certain situation or that that bitter part of you that you've get forgiven somebody for, it's sometimes very hard not to pick up when those thoughts come. And with me, as a woman, I know women are different from men, but I kind of want to talk about like the personal stuff when it comes to me because it's a different contrast between men and women. So women, women, we're emotional creatures. We are uh, very emotional beings. We feel a lot we receive a lot and we give a lot we're nurturers i think uh you know when we're mothers we feel uh their they feel their children's um emotions it's just a motherly thing um and a lot of the time that um emotion can get in the way of things bitterness is one of them so when women end up unintentionally revisiting a thought in their head from their past, it is very hard to control the emotions that come with it because it's like they're reliving it in their head over and over and over again. So I think it might be very hard for a woman to forgive someone more than a man would because men are able to detach themselves from emotion than women can because our instincts are emotional. Men's instincts are more protective and guarded and stoic. And that's just how God made us. Um, but yeah, I think it's harder for a woman to forgive someone because when it comes to their emotional part of themselves, it's hard to detach from that. You have to really train yourself as a woman to not be emotional when those things come. But they focus, okay, number eight, sorry. They focus on uh, what they can control. See, that's another thing. Women like to control everything. <laughs> or uh, they, they don't like losing control of things. And again, I think that's just because women, they develop more 
they, I don't know, they develop faster than men. I don't know if that's actually a a fact (laughs) anymore. But, um, they mature faster than men. And they know how to, I don't know, do certain things that other men can't. Because, like, okay, married couples, you know your husbands need you for everything. And, yes, sometimes it gets annoying, but you do it because they like that you do those things for them. It makes them feel appreciated that you are able to cook for them, or clean for them, or, you know, I don't know, rub their back or something, like, after um, a long day at work, you know. It's a man thing, uh, since men want to be needed, um, and to protect someone or something, uh, it's just a man thing, um, it is also an instinct to need certain things from a woman, like favors and stuff like that. I wouldn't even say favors, just like, just like tasks, you know, like there's, cause in their mind, even though it may be annoying for the woman to, to not, like do certain things for a male, um, for a man, it's like, no one can do that thing that you can do. They have, like, an emotional attachment to the thing that you're doing for them. And they love that because it makes them feel loved. To the point where, oh, I can't believe she made me dinner. I feel so special. Or I can't believe that she's rubbing my feet. You know, like, I feel so loved. That's just, they, they need to be needed. And they also need... They just need, period, you know, and that's okay, because usually, you know, men are out there working really hard, you know, I know women do too, trust me, it's 2023, but I am saying, like, um, when it comes to, like, a male, especially, like, an alpha male in the household, not a misogynistic one, okay, just one that's... (sighs) just a good man like a good traditional male you know um that's how they are they they need and they also want to be needed that's just how they are um but yeah um but they focus on what they can control so yes they do um they don't want to waste their time on things that they can't but what do you do when things don't go as planned? For me, I get pissed. <clears throat> things don't go to plan. I'm kind of mad. I'm just like, yeah. I just get upset. I'm just like, why did that change? Why did you change plans so quick? Do you spiral out of control? No, not anymore. <laughs> or do you stay mentally, or stay mentally happy and healthy amidst chaos? Mentally strong men know that there are many things in life you can't control, but you do have a say in how to respond to them. They acknowledge that they can't control, react um, to them with patience, and learn to get to let go of them. So, okay, yeah, I can understand that, because a man 
with like purpose and who's mentally strong. He knows that he's not for everyone. He's not for every situation or for every certain like uh, task. So he's okay with letting go and going on to the next thing. It's, it's supposed to be like that built-in instinct, I feel like, for men. But I'm just going on like what me and my husband go through. Uh, part of this is incorporating mindfulness practices that strengthen their ability to stay calm and concentrate on things they can control. Whenever they are in a tight place, they assess the changes they can make. Um, they put their resources into improving their attitude and efforts as uh, any given situation. Number nine, they set healthy boundaries. Saying no with clarity and confidence is one of the best ways by which mentally strong men can stay effective, empowered, and productive. There are some men out there that cannot say no. Um, and that's just because they're really good at helping people. They're really good at um, giving advice. They're really good at giving. So they, some people are takers. Some people just love to receive, but there are some people, especially men, that love to give. And um, with that, it can be kind of dangerous because not only can people in general, whether they're men or women, get like taken advantage of, when a man who cannot say no because they love to give, um, it's hard for them to recognize when someone's unintentionally taking advantage of them um, because they love to give to people. Um, the thing is, people-pleasing makes or takes toll. <laughs> On uh, your physical, mental, and emotional health, uh, the more you say yes to people and things even uh, when you really don't want to, the more likely you are to suffer from burnout and stress. That's why mentally strong men assert their no's to people's demands and expectations uh, that do not serve their interests and needs. They believe that it's okay to turn things down uh, when you're prioritizing yourself and your growth. Number 10 is they celebrate their progress. As anyone should. As anyone should. Any win, no matter how small, um, should never get unnoticed. Uh, and mentally strong men don't wait until tomorrow to celebrate the progress they've achieved today. Um... It can be very easy to overlook the seemingly insignificant things that we've done when we're focused on uh, the big milestones. But mentally strong men believe that any progress, no matter how big or small, is worth honoring. Uh, they permit themselves to feel good about even the smallest wins, celebrating the little victories that uh, show how far they've come and keeps them inspired and motivated. I cannot tell you how many times I've done something little or said something that my husband was proud of and he'll just come out and say out of the blue, won't even expect it, and he'll just be like, Sarah, I'm proud of you. 
I'm proud of what you did. I'm just like, oh. But I, it was, it was such a small thing. He goes, it's cause you're growing. He loves to celebrate things with me, even the small things, which I love about him. And he does the same thing for himself. You know, he gets really happy when he uh, achieves something, and it's beautiful. But anyway, 11. They don't compare themselves to others. <laughs> Women do this all the time. <laughs> Including me. <laughs> oh, I'm not mentally strong all the time. I think y'all know that. <laughs> uh, no. I can compare myself to other women sometimes and it can be very exhausting because um, I want to look that way or act that way and it's like, it's easy to acquire if I just go ahead and do exactly that to get what they have and it's not about like coveting or anything it's just, you know doing the things that I know that I long to see in myself that I see in other women, you know, need to work on myself too, you know, but, um, it can be difficult to feel insecure about ourselves when we, uh, live in a society that constantly hypes up comparisons. Yes. Seeing other people's success on social media can stir up feelings of jealousy. Mentally strong men, however, don't get feelings of envy, um, or don't let feelings of envy steal their life and energy. They don't waste their time and energy competing with others and worrying whether or not they will measure up. And, um, yeah, that's the problem with women, and that's one of the reasons why I don't like women, is because women will see other women as competition. They will see women as, um, a threat They'll see other women as someone to be jealous of, and that's something that I truly do my best not to include in my life. It is an instinct. I think that's a generational curse in a lot of women, and sometimes we do it without even knowing, and it's something that women as a whole need to stop. It's, it's ugly. And it makes us ugly. But they are secure in their definition of success. And they know that everyone is running their own race. Um, they're committed to reaching their goals while also celebrating the success of others. Number 12. They take care of themselves. Self-love goes a long way when it comes to building mental strength. Mentally strong men know that they can't be mentally strong if they're always ex exhausted uh, and worn down. Um, that's why they take self-care. Um, they take it seriously. Um, whether it's getting plenty of rest, eating healthy, exercising, practicing self-affirmations, and more, um, they make it a habit to nourish their minds and bodies so they can be at their best even during the hardest of times. Number 13 is they ask for help. Oh god. This is so hard for men to do. Now, 
I've talked about generational curses that women have. Okay. I said that ours is envy, which is one of the seven deadly sins. For men, it's pride. For men, it's pride. And I'm sure there's other things when it comes to generational curses that men have. This is just one that, that, that has stuck out to me. Men hate asking other men for help. Because I feel like there is this unspoken rule within, like, the male community, I guess. Um, if that's what you want to call it. That men are supposed to have it all together. They're supposed to be big and strong and protective. And they should know what to do and everything. But the thing is, is that men who ask for help... Is act, they're actually building their strength. When they ask for help, they learn how to be stronger. When they ask for help, they know how to be um, a critical thinker more. Because when they end up asking for help from other men, they're learning from each other. And that's how men operate. They should, at least. Um... Me, I don't like asking for help at all. <laughs> and that's a pride thing, too. You know, I, um... For uh, me as a woman, I don't want to be known as a dainty woman that needs help all the time or that needs, like, um... I wouldn't say I wouldn't need a man because, of course, I'm married and I need my husband. But I mean, like, I don't always need, um, a man's help when it comes to like, I don't know, carrying things up the stairs, I can do that with ease, you know, or carrying heavy things or moving heavy things. I do that myself, you know. I'm fine with doing that myself. <laughs> I do have a certain independence that is sometimes annoying, uh, but it's just how I've learned how to be before I got married, and, you know, it's just a habit that you know, parts of that I do need to break, but independence is still very good to have as a woman. Just as long as it's not defying your husband, you know. But, um, another big misconception about mentally strong men is that they don't seek the support of others. On the contrary, mentally strong men know that reaching out for help is a sign of strength, not weakness. Okay. Wait, there was only 10? I thought there was 15. Well, okay. That's it. That's it for that. That last... Man, who did... Who honks their horn like that? About to throw something out the window. No, but that, uh, that last segment about mentally strong men. It was like 34 minutes of me talking. 
Well, all right. This one is about the eight things that selfish people do and the eight things that uh, generous people don't, you know? So we're going to do that one. <sighs> I think all of us have been a little bit, a little bit selfish. I am an advocate not for selfish, but I do feel like you should do some things for yourself. I guess that would be self-love instead of being selfish. Um, you can love yourself by doing things for yourself. That doesn't make you selfish. It's when you start doing things for yourself and not being considerate of everybody else. But we're gonna skip the intro just because I am running out, not running out of time, but I got plenty of time actually. Um, having a me, myself, and I attitude. Okay? Selfish people uh, live in a one way street and they like to be at the receiving end of every effort um, in every relationship. Often, taking too much without giving back anything. It's always me, myself, and I for them. If you had a selfish friend or partner in the past, you probably know what I mean. They expect you to always be there for them when they need you, but um, they're nowhere to be found when they're needed. It is so frustrating. Uh-huh. Generous people, on the other hand, uh, are the exact opposite. They always look after the welfare of others willing um, to give what they can and, let's see, and more to those in need, but uh, never expecting anything in return. Uh, they give more than they take because... Sorry, uh, they take because their actions are motivated by uh, a passion to help others rather than a desire to benefit. They think of someone, I'm sorry, think of someone you know as generous. <laughs> I have plenty of people around me that are very generous and sweet. I hope for everyone out there listening that you find a support system that is just as generous. But they never did anything that solely um, benefits them or outright harms other people, did they? That's what makes them so empathetic and kind. Two, lacking empathy and kindness. So, this can, personally, and I'm not going to say that I lack empathy, but I guess I am selectively kind to certain people because I know that there are selfish people around me sometimes that I don't need to give my energy to. And so I do lack kindness for those who aren't kind back. And that's just sort of a, a give and take situation. But um, the, to on honestly, if people lack empathy or kindness, it's usually um, stems from abuse or some type of trauma in their life to make them feel that sort of way. Selfish people have a hard time practicing empathy and kindness because their focus is primarily on themselves and their own needs. They often have little to no regard 
for the needs of uh, your feelings, which means they don't like or they don't take the time to consider how uh, their actions or words affect you. Additionally, research has shown that empathy and kindness are closely linked to our brain's ability to recognize and respond to other people's emotions. Which uh, people who are less able to do this may struggle to understand why it is important to be kind and empathetic, uh, which results in selfishness. I am a big believer in empathy or empath people. Uh, just because, I don't know, my, to be honest, my job really demands for me to be an empathetic person. But even before I started working at the center, um, it's, it's just become something that has been part of my life for a very long time. So, like, um, I don't believe that empathy is a psychic ability. I just don't believe it is a prophetic gift to me. Um... So it's, it's something prophetic in people because it is very godly to me to know and feel what other people feel. And yes, it can be exhausting at times, but it is very important for those people, those prophetic people who have empathy that, um, you know, it's, it's a very valuable thing. Not everybody has that. But meanwhile, generous people have empathy and kindness because their desire to help and share uh, what they have comes from a place of understanding um, other people's struggles. They feel the need to help if it means being able to lighten someone's load. Your generous friend probably feels a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment from helping you, unlike uh, their selfish uh, your selfish people who might lack remorse when they hurt you. Uh, generous people feel a certain kind of caring to other people that makes them uh, hurt as well when they hurt other people. Yep. Uh, number three is having a lack of remorse. Lack of remorse is a common trait of a selfish person. As, uh, man, have you ever, like, seen somebody get told off, like someone who's selfish or a narcissist who gets told off by someone saying, oh, you're selfish, you're a terrible person, you shouldn't, like someone, how do you say this? Someone's like really giving it to somebody because they did something terribly wrong. And that person just has no emotion or is angry because they're like attacking them because of what they did. Doesn't that like, oh man, it just cringes me. Like, why can't you just have some sort of remorse for what you did to that person that would make them blow up at you like that? I, I don't... When it comes to someone who doesn't have remorse, I refuse to let a type of person like that in my life, especially when they can't admit their own mistakes. Like, they have to be right all the fucking time. I want to slap somebody. <laughs> I just can't. I can't with those types of people because they'll never see what they've done because what they see and what they do... I mean, what, what they do, they think that it's never wrong. 
they can never do any wrong. But because they prioritize their own wants and needs above your feelings and well, they might act in a way that hurts you without feeling any guilt or remorse about it. Um, if you've ever tried to confront a partner or something they did that hurt you and you ended up being gaslit into believing that it's not that bad or that's a sign uh, that they're selfish. <laughs> that's a sign that they're a narcissist. Ooh, that's <laughs> because uh, they're unable to look past their own needs and feelings to recognize yours. This lack of remorse might be because of an inability to care about others or just plain ignorance, but regardless, uh, they act without considering the consequences. Um, who cares if one or two people get hurt if they get what they want in the end? Yeah, that's... Ooh, that's an evil thing. That That is an evil trait to have. If you have that, bro, you, you really need to pray. Um, generous people are the opposite. They often feel remorseful when they think they have not done enough to help you. Or uh, they have not been able to help everyone who needs their help. Because they're compassionate and empathetic, they naturally feel guilt when they hurt or are unable to help you. Uh, which automatically means they won't hesitate to apologize when they do. Number four is they never apologize. <laughs> uh, because selfish people often have a hard time feeling empathy, they also struggle with uh, to understand how their actions could affect you. Um, they often don't see the need to apologize because they're unable to understand why their behavior was hurtful in the first place. So, back when Sarah was uh, a very quiet little thing, if someone got mad at me, even if it wasn't my fault, I would say I'm sorry. Those two words would always spill out my mouth every single day. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Being sorry all of the time... <laughs> I, I really did feel like I was a burden to the whole world back in the day. I really did. And I said I'm sorry so many times. And, uh, it, <laughs> I never want to go back. But I still do say sorry when I need to say it. Um, I don't apologize as much because I know when I've done wrong and when I haven't. Um... And like I said, I think that's just because I've come out uh, from the other side of depression and and all of that stuff. So uh, saying I'm sorry is still very valuable to me to say when I absolutely need to say it. But when it comes to me saying it all the time, I don't do it all the time, no. That doesn't make me selfish, it just makes me more... How do I say it? I know when to say it, I guess. I know when to say it now, more than back then. But some selfish people might also um, have a fear of vulnerability. Um, which means they avoid admitting their faults 
as it requires them to open up and be human. Instead, they will often choose or prioritize um, their own image or self-esteem over the need to be vulnerable. If they have gotten away scot-free from their mistakes in the past, selfish people um, might not see the need to apologize because they think that uh, they can always get away with anything without repercussions. Number five is being cheap with other people. So hang on, are we on number four? We're, okay, yes we are. There's so many ads on this article. Anyway, um, being cheap with other people. Selfish people are often generous with themselves, uh, but cheap with other people. They usually spend lavishly on themselves while neglecting the needs of others. Um, if you grew up with a selfish parent, you probably saw them burning money um, on expensive things such as jewelry and clothes, but uh, when it came to you, they either neglected your needs or gave you the cheapest possible uh, option. It's always them above others, uh, even if others is their own family. On the other hand, if you've had a generous parent who understands the value of giving, uh, you might have grown up with them giving more than they could. Aww. Uh, they might even have gotten indebted to others to give to you who, uh, you, what, to give what you, to give you what you needed as a child. Yeah. Um, I, for one, had a very generous grandmother who gave money, okay, this is the, the writer's, uh, story, who gave money to our relatives who needed it even if, uh, she herself needed the money too. She gave clothes to our neighbors who uh, tragically had their house burned down, and um, this memory continues to live in their family even after she passed. Aww, I'm so sorry for your grandma. I'm sorry. I lost a grandparent. I know how that feels. Um, this is because generous people believe that the positive impact that giving can have on the world. Yeah, um, I have someone in my family who is very, very dear to me, and he will give. And sometimes, you know, when someone refuses, like, to, to just be humble, they'll say, uh, this person will say, oh, so you're going to stifle my blessing? You're going to keep me from having my blessing? Because giving is a blessing in itself. And um, what you give is always given back, biblically. So this person in my life really does believe in that. And he really is the example of that. And I love him very much for that. Um, this is because generous people believe in the positive impact that giving can have on the world. They are willing to share their resources, time, and talents with others, and they often find joy in doing so. Number six, being manipulative. <laughs> it sounded like a drunk person saying that. Being manipulative to get what they want. Selfish people do or will do anything to get what they want. Uh, they will often use various manipulation tactics, such as deception, 
flattery, or even coercion to get what they want from you without hesitation or remorse. Excuse me. Um, let's see. A selfish partner, or, or for instance, will make you feel guilty for not giving them what they wanted, so you end up giving it any end up giving it anyway okay um even if it's against and you won't even realize they they're guilt tripping you until they tell someone else about it a generous partner on the other hand will never resort to manipulation to get what they want from you their actions are uh not driven by self self-benefit instead they are motivated by a genuine desire to help and support uh you without expecting anything in return Hogging the spotlight. Selfish people often hog the spotlight because they want all the attention and recognition to themselves. Your selfish classmate or co-worker probably often seeks out opportunities to shine and showcase their talents and, uh, or accomplishments even when uh, the situation doesn't call for it. So... Here we go. Here's another layer of uh, Rogue Radio. I sometimes I don't go out looking for attention because I have attention. I like attention. As in being recognized for what I do. But I don't like it when it's being forced by me, which I don't think I've ever done. I don't remember if I ever have. But I love it when it comes naturally because I know it's genuine. Being recognized for my talents or being recognized for who I am, the good things in me, it's a beautiful thing to feel when you have that sort of attention being given to you when you're being recognized for what you do and you're being appreciated for what you do. And I love that attention. It's not that I crave it, it's that I value it. I, I value that type of attention. I will never go out and seek that type of attention from the people that I love. It is given to me when I deserve it. It's given to me when I most need it. And that's the most beautiful part about that type of attention. Is that it's not forced. When it comes, it comes naturally. And it's a beautiful thing to feel. Um, if you're a highly accomplished person, you might even find them trying to outshine you often. Uh, try to observe their behavior. If they uh, dominate conversations, cut or... Uh, cut you or other people off when speaking or actively fish for other people's accomplishments by uh, degrading I don't know how you say that word anyway those those are signs of a selfish attention seeking person okay trust me you're better off without such a person in your life very true very true I hate it when people cut me off. And sometimes it happens on accident. I understand that. (laughs) 
I understand. I can see when someone, like, if we're in a very, like, big debate and we end up cutting each other off, I'm usually the type of person that will, like, let them speak first, even though I was, like, mid-sentence. But if it's someone who I know truly doesn't want to hear me speak, I can feel that vibe in the room, and it just pisses me off. I'm like, you know how much I like to be heard. That's why I have a podcast. (laughs) So someone uh, stifling me being heard, it's not a pretty sight. (laughs) Um, But, um... Conversely, generous people will never hog the spotlight all to themselves and sometimes even deny credit because uh, their actions are not rooted from the desire to get praise and acclaim. Their goal is uh, not to be recognized, uh, but to help in any way that they can and be meaningful in other people's lives. Okay. Last one, number eight, thinking they don't owe anyone anything. Oi. Okay, let's open this one. Um, At some point, all of us have thought, at least once, that we don't owe anyone anything. And truly, sometimes we don't. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes people who are selfish say, you owe me this, you owe me that. But you really don't owe them anything really that doesn't really make you selfish to me especially if there's people out there that are selfish that say the same thing like you owe me this you owe me that um this might be because we were raised to fend for ourselves or have uh gone through a tough time where no one has or no one was there to help us but when you meet kind generous people you start to get a better understanding of the world. You start to realize that we all owe each other kindness. I see where you went there. Absolutely. I, I agree. <laughs> selfish people might be selfish because they have not gotten to that point yet. Uh, they may feel that they have uh, worked hard to achieve what they have and therefore do not owe anyone anything. But what about the people that help you get there, man? Um, it's generous people who never think, uh, they owe anyone anything. Uh, they think they owe it to others to be kind. They're charitable. And maybe we could learn a thing or two from them because the world truly needs more kindness and generosity. Absolutely. Okay. I know that one took very long to read. Sorry. Okay, this will be the last segment. I know um, it's just because this one is uh, relatively long. Um, So after this segment, it is going to be about an hour. So... I have another personality test for y'all. I will be posting this picture on to my Instagram so you guys can go there. Link will be down in the description below on how to do that and look at that. But yes, we are going to find out 
if we are fickle, impartial, or faithful, unlock the true the truth behind the doors. So, door number one is a purple door. Then there's a number two is a red door, and number three is a green door. My favorite color is green, but for some reason the purple door is very it's drawing me for some reason. So let's find out. <laughs> uh, if I'm fickle, I guess. I don't know. Um, do you ever find yourself changing your mind a lot? Take this personality test, unlock your answer. Okay, cool. Uh, what's number one? The purple door. Those who choose the purple door are impartial. These individuals are not easily swayed by outside influences. Okay, yeah, true. Um, and prefer to make decisions based on impartiality. Uh, viewing all sides uh, before making a decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I agree to that. I did choose the purple door. Uh, they have a great capacity for understanding and empathizing with people, which can uh, make them great meditators. They are thoughtful and take time to consider all angles before deciding, uh, which allows them to remain unbiased. That is interesting. I like that. Anyway, um, the red door. If you picked the red door. Um, have you guys ever played that one game that was like, can you carry, what can you carry through the red door? And it would be like, you'd have to name something that starts with the name, like the, the first letter of your name. Man, that really pissed me off. Like, I would go through the whole, uh, thing. I would go through the whole game not knowing, like, how to get through the red door. <laughs> Maybe it's just an Ohioan thing. I don't know. We're bored here. Anyway, the individuals who chose the red door uh, reveal a character trait of faithfulness. They are reliable, dependable, and committed to their values, beliefs, and relationships. Uh, these people tend to be loyal people who stand by their word and honor their commitments. It is difficult for these individuals to stray from their faithfulness as it is part of their identity. Um, they may not uh, always be impulsive, but instead take time to make sure their decisions are well thought out. The individuals who choose the green door <laughs> I almost did too um, indicate the character trait of fickleness. I don't know why, it was a pretty door. I mean, okay. <laughs> I really don't know how any of these personality tests actually are psych psychologically approved. I don't think they are. This is just for fun. They may have difficulty making decisions as they cannot seem to settle on what they try or what they truly want. Um, this also can mean they often change their minds or opinions in certain topics or matters. Um, it is not uncommon for those individuals to go along with that everyone else or of what everyone else is doing because they do not know what they want. Uh, this can lead to feelings of insecurity. Yes. Thanks for taking the... Okay, yeah. Okay, we're done. Thank you so much for listening. Um, it means a lot. 
I appreciate you all for listening, and I will see you in the trenches next time. Love you, bye. Thank you.